Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in a really, really, really um, impactful collection of conversations this month that we are calling Change Your World. Change Your World. Um, As we saw during the announcements, um, one of the hallmark statements about our movement is that we are world changers. And that we we don't take any day that we have above ground for granted. We are so, so focused on trying to change the world for God's glory. Not for our glory, for God's glory. But the thing that we are coming to realize through this collection of conversations that in order to change the world, it first first starts with us changing our world. It's important for us to do our part inside of God's kingdom agenda on this earth. In other words, we were not just sent here. We did not just get saved. Blood on Calvary was not shed by Jesus just for you to get to heaven. It was shed for those purposes. But there also is a kingdom purpose for your existence on earth. There is something on this earth that you are sent here to do. I, I, can't, I can't see nothing. I got to take these glasses off. I mean, they all fogged up. But you are here for a very specific purpose. And so in the first conversation that we had, we talked about the seven mountains of influence. Because in, in order for a society to be changed, there are some very specific areas that have to be impacted for there to be change manifested. And we looked at that. And then last week, we looked at what are the prerequisites, what are the requirements for us to be even able to climb the mountain that we are assigned to. And so we walked through that. And so this week, we're going to continue to dive even even deeper into this topic. And we're going to start by looking at three passages of scripture in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to be in the book of Proverbs in the fourth chapter, Proverbs 4, starting at verse 25. Proverbs 4, 25 is where we will begin to hear what the Lord says. Stay with me, uh, Brandon. Proverbs 4, 25. Proverbs 4, 25. If you got it, say, I got it. And it reads, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Go back to 25 for emphasis. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So today I'll be talking from the topic of zero in. Zero 
in. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this moment where we get to hear directly from you. Let your word speak for itself. Let your spirit guide, lead, and help on today. We need you. We want to be all that you created us to be. So let your will be done even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we get started, the Lord told me very specifically that today he was going to tell you who you are. That you weren't going to leave out of here today confused. You were going to know why you are here. But there, there's, there's something you need to do first. You need to make your heart able to receive. You need to make your spirit open to hear what he's going to speak. Because he's going to speak. He's going to send his Holy Spirit to speak to you. He might, send, he might send an angel to speak to you. But either way, you're going to know. You're going to know. But we need to clear the way first. So I'm going to ask you to put whatever devices you got, whatever you're doing, to the side for a second. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Because we need to make room for the Spirit of God. So that means that we have to clear out those things which aren't like him. So that he can dwell and have a clear pathway to your heart. So you're going to have to disagree with some things that you've been in agreement with. So before I even speak, what you should do right now is pray for yourself and ask the Lord to remove anything not like him that's within you. You know how to pray. So pray for yourself and ask him to clear the way. Repeat after me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with the spirit of fear that looks to paralyze me. I come into agreement with what you have to say about me. Exhale. Repeat after me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come out of agreement with the spirit of pride that looks to block what you have to say. I come into agreement with what you have to say about me. Exhale.
Father, send your angels even now. Let your spirit rest upon us. Let your voice be made clear. Help us to be able to discern your voice from any voice that's not from you. We want you to speak to us today. We want to hear from you today. So Jesus, we open up our hearts to you. Our spirit man is ready to receive. And we seal this prayer in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we all agree by saying, amen. So we opened up the book of Proverbs to find an admonition, an admonishment, I should say, on the fact that we need to be way more focused than we currently are. It starts by saying, let your eyes look directly forward. First word in the sentence is let, meaning that it's not automatic. It doesn't happen by default. You have to allow this to take place. Solomon is telling us to look forward, which at the same time is telling us to stop looking backward. Do we agree that you can't look forward and backward at the same time? And so wisdom is teaching us that we need to have intentionality behind this journey. A lot of us are so in love with the supernatural that we think everything is supposed to happen supernaturally. But the truth of the matter is the majority of what we're called to do requires natural human effort. You don't accidentally walk into your call. Your purpose doesn't get fulfilled by happenstance. You don't stumble. You're intentional. And the first thing you have to do is fix your eyes forward. Our eyes are our guide. Our eyes are showing us where we are going. but it takes intentionality. This message is called zero in. When I was in the military, every six months, we had to qualify with our weapon, meaning that we had to take our weapon to the range and we had to fire it, practice learning how to use our weapon. But no matter how powerful our weapons were. So for us, we used M16 rifles, a very powerful rifle that could shoot up to 300 meters away. It can shoot one round at a time. It can shoot three rounds at a time. So even if my rifle was fully loaded, even if every compartment was clean and spotless, 
And even if every function of the rifle was operating optimally, I could still miss my target. Because one of the first things you have to do before you fire the rifle is you have to zero the rifle. Because on top of the rifle is something called your sights. And if you don't tune the sights just right, you can pick up your weapon, you can aim at the target, you can look through the little hole and still miss. And so what God is calling us to do in this moment, in this session, is to zero in. And that's why you have to open up your heart today. Because we can't get so caught up in the big picture that we fail to zoom in on what our part is. And so that's why Solomon is telling us to look directly forward. Because in looking directly forward, we now have a target. But he doesn't stop there. Then he tells us to ponder the path of your feet. If sight represents the target, the mountain that we are assigned to, our feet represent the movement. Notice that he said ponder. Just because you see it don't mean you should just start running towards it. Because if you don't ponder the path of your feet, you could stumble. If you don't think about the journey, if you're not focused and zeroed in on the path that it's going to take for you to get there, you could end up missing your target because you didn't zero in. And what we're going to learn by the end of this conversation is that there are ramifications beyond ourselves if we miss our target. We're all world changers, yes. But in order to be a part of this world changing, we have a world of our own that needs to change first. Verse 27 says, don't swerve to the left or to the right. Because anything other than forward movement is failure. Anything other than God's will for our life is a waste of time. And God wants us to stop wasting time. This is not a new conversation. If you've been in church for five to 10 minutes, you know that God has a plan for your life. You know that you weren't just sent here to skate through each day and survive. The blood of Jesus is much, much too precious for that. Why would you think that you're just supposed to skate through Every 24 hours just to start the cycle again. You really think that's what Jesus came for? No. He came that you should have life 
and life and life more abundantly. So it's not that we don't know that we're here for a reason. So then the question becomes, why aren't we doing what we were sent to do? Why aren't we pursuing the call on our life? I think the answer is hurry. I think we're in a hurry. And I think the circumstances of our life keeps us so busy that we have no energy, we have no strength left to pursue the very reason that we were sent here. And hurry is addictive. My brother-in-law, he's not here right now. And that's good, because I'm about to talk about him. His name's Corey. He loves Jesus. When he's up here praying, you can see, you know, that he really, really loves Jesus. But you want to know how you can tell that he loves Jesus? Corey drives the speed limit. No, no, no. I mean the speed limit. If it's 60, we doing 60. Not 59, not 61. So one day, I was following them to a restaurant. Now they left well before we did. But somehow I caught up. Because when I see 60, I think 72. Don't judge me, just pray for me. 60 means 72. So I caught up. <laughs> so I wasn't sure where we were going, you know, because they picked the, the spot, and so I got behind them. And I said, Ty, he's doing the speed limit. <laughs> now, guys, I was, it was bothering me to be doing the speed. No, I'm serious. I was growing increasingly frustrated. Like, can we at least do 62? We're going to do 60 the whole way. There he is right there. Don't tell him what I tell you. Keep that between us. But internally, because I'm so accustomed to speeding. Are there any police officers in here? Oh, my goodness. Am I incriminating myself? But I'm so accustomed to speeding that doing the speed limit felt so foreign. I was so agitated. Get me out this slow lane. <laughs> but I didn't know where I was going, so I had to follow him at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> because speed is addictive. Hurry is addictive. The hustle and bustle of life becomes addictive. And we get used to going at a speed that's above the limit, and it prevents us from being who God called us to be. You complain about your calendar, but you really find comfort in it. You vent about all the responsibilities that you have, but it's really part of your identity. You're much more comfortable doing busy work than doing kingdom work. It's true. Because hurry is addictive. 
but it's also a demonic distraction. You got to stop playing with your 24 hours. You got to stop acting like they don't have a purpose. You got to stop acting like I'll get to it tomorrow. You don't know. You don't know if you have a tomorrow. And you got to stop playing God as though you know when your time will be up because you don't. So what we all have to stop doing is wasting God's time. What we have to stop doing is wasting God's gifts. What we have to stop doing is wasting God's assignments. Because we're not here without a purpose. Yeah, it's true. You know what our problem is? We're selfish. We like to disguise our selfishness with looking out for other people. I'm a spouse, I'm a parent, I'm a boss, boss. I'm a leader. You know, I have to look out for these people. But it has nothing to do with your call. But you just like being busy. It's easier. We even are selfish with our pain. We get energy off people doing us wrong. I'll prove it. One of the favorite preaching scriptures is in the book of Genesis. Have you heard of Joseph? Joseph had a bad hand dealt to him multiple times. <laughs> His own brothers sold him into slavery. Then Potiphar's wife tried to set him up with the okie doke but he wasn't going. Then his cellmate didn't even look out for him once he got out. <laughs> and then the preacher gets to the end of the story and they tell you, turn to your neighbor and tell him it was for my good. Touch three people and say, it's for my good, it's for my good, it's for my good. Problem is, that's not what the scripture says. You love to misquote that scripture and say that everything that you went through, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for my good. But that's not what it says. <laughs> All right, you don't believe me. Turn to your Bibles. Genesis, the 50th chapter, verse 20. 50, 20. I'll turn with you because you don't believe me. I'm, read, I'm reading the NLT. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, y'all offended already? <laughs> it's because you're selfish. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Not your good, for good. You don't think that's a big deal. Keep reading. He 
brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't about you. We want it to be about us. We want to say that all this stuff was for my good. But everything that you went through was for the good of somebody else. That's a paradigm shift that you need to make in this season, world changer. Because God has other people in mind for your journey. Does that seem unfair to you? Was it fair for Jesus to take your spot on the cross? Let's weigh those two together. Let's see who comes out on top. Because the love language of God is sacrifice. As soon as sin entered the world, the first thing God did was a sacrifice to cover what Adam and Eve did. Before there was a prayer, there was a sacrifice. Before there was a healing, there was a sacrifice. And the same is necessary today. So the first thing you need to understand about your assignment is that it's bigger than you. Why do you think the enemy keeps making you afraid of it? Because if it was just about you, he really wouldn't care that much. If it was just going to enhance your life, if it was just going to make your life better, that would be no big deal. But because generations can be impacted by you walking in your purpose, oh, he don't want that. He's not too happy about that. And that's why every time God shows you, you run. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear. So who did? He's already told some of you, and we only a few minutes in, what it is that you're here for. But right after he said it, you talked yourself back out of it you started talking about why you can't and what you don't have and what abilities you don't possess. Because the enemy doesn't want you walking in your purpose. At some point, you're gonna have to get tired of just being average. At some point, you're going to have to be tired of just getting by. There's nothing kingdom about survival. Kings don't survive. They rule. Queens don't survive. They rule. So the fact that you're comfortable in your survivability lets me know that you're not a part of this kingdom agenda like you should be. 
There should be some type of pursuit of rulership. The problem is you're thinking too small. So let's go deeper. There's three questions that you need to have in your back pocket as you pursue, as you gaze directly forward, as you ponder the path of your feet. The first question is why? Why the heck am I doing this? Why should I come out of agreement with fear? Why should I strengthen my faith and pursue all that God has for me? Why? Because God likes it when you love his children. The problem with a lot of us is we only like his children that go to church. The problem with that line of thinking is they're all his children in the church, out the church, in the mosque, on the street. They're all his. For God so loved the world. He loves everybody. Not just those who speak Christianese. And so why should you do this? Because if God loves them, you should love them. And a part of your call is to impact all of them. The people on your row and the people at your job, the people on your team and the people in your neighborhood, the Republicans and the Democrats, all because it's not about you. I know you want me to make this about you, but that would be unbiblical. And so I won't make it about you. You have a call on your life that supersedes you. So the why is because God wants you to represent him to the world. Hebrews 13 and 6. Do not forget to do good, to share with others, for such, here's that word again, sacrifices, God is pleased. Why would it say don't forget? Because we are prone to forget, to do good. Ain't that a shame that we're prone to forget to do good? Why? Because we're so caught up in our hurry. We're so caught up in our circumstances, in our responsibilities, in the roles that we wear, in the hats that we wear, that we forget to do good for others. That's, that's purpose 101. Do good. Be a good representation of Christ wherever you go. That's got to be in your back pocket when you at Target about to go off on each other with an All Nations Aurora t-shirt on. <laughs> Do good. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but that means that we're making an effort to do 
to do good for others, to share with them. 2 Corinthians 3 and 3 says, you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered, from, delivered by us. You show. You show by the way that you talk to people. We, you, you, you show by the way that you talk to the waitress with your All Nations Award shirt on. You, you show that you're a letter by Christ by how you operate in your day-to-day -day life. And we can use our day-to-day -day life to bring God glory. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we're trying to do good. We're trying to represent Christ everywhere that we go. Billy Graham has this quote that says, we are the Bibles the world is reading. You so busy trying to slap people with Bible verses, they looking at your life and making a determination about your heavenly father based on your life and how you live. Do you look any different from them? Is any part of your life something that stands out that would make somebody want to know God more? Or is everything that you do just look like the devil? When they see you, do they see themselves? They full of hell and looking at you and you look like you full of hell too. Got the same posts, got the same complaints, got the same cuss words. It's true. We are the Bibles the world is reading. And they're making a determination about your heavenly father every time they look at you. What do they see? Do they see the kingdom of heaven? Or do they see a different kingdom on you? Second question is where? Where, where, where? Where do these efforts go? Here's what you gotta understand. If you change your world, we change the world. If you change your world, your world, the world that you're already in, you already have a sphere of influence, which we're gonna get to. If you change that, the world becomes changed. Galatians 6 and 4 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into it. Some of you think that your call is something different than you're already in. You're gonna go sit in your call tomorrow. There already is work in your hand. What are you doing with it? Do you sit there all day and complain? Externally, internally. You'll never see that day again. 
you got to remember that this ain't about you, right? My call is not about me. You know what else? You're the recipient of somebody else's call. You're in here because somebody else walked in their purpose and you were the beneficiary. Somebody broke the chain in your family line and you're the beneficiary. Because remember, one of the mountains is family. So now it's your turn to walk in your call and make a difference. There's a philosopher named Edmund Burke. He said it like this, because some of y'all don't think you got what it takes. He says, the greatest sin is to do nothing because you can only do a little. The greatest sin is to do nothing because you think, well, you know, who am I? I'm not an influencer. I'm not a manager at my job. I'm not a pastor, let me tell you. Be grateful. But what do you have? Who's already in your world? What are you doing with that? It may be a little to you, but it's a part of the world changing. If you just accept your role, the world will feel the impact of you just being obedient. If you drive Uber, I don't know what it is about me, but it seems like whenever I get inside of Uber, they automatically turn the station to some trap music. Like, is there something about me that says trap music? I'm serious. I, I'm serious. I almost said something last time. But if you're an Uber driver, you could put on some worship music. What are you doing with the influence that you already possess? I don't like trap music, by the way. How? Question number three. How do I do this? How do I walk this out? Rule number one is you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's why we started off the way we started off this morning, so that you can begin to learn how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't you make a move without the Holy Spirit. I highly suggest that you don't do that. That's part of what that verse was saying. Ponder the path of your feet. Invite the Holy Spirit in and then do what he says. I think the invitation part is easy, but when he gets to talking, you get to reasoning. You get to disqualifying. When the Spirit of the living God speaks, you need to steward it. Stop being afraid. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. 
When's the last time you just, just asked a co- coworker, like, yo, is there anything I can pray for you about? That doesn't take a theology degree. Does your neighbor know you love Jesus? Or are you at the block party wilding out like everybody else? What are you doing with the sphere of influence that you're already in? You're looking for big thunderclouds and lightning. You're looking for this, this major door. Like when, when that happens, I'll know I'm in my purpose. You're in it now. We're all on a journey. You're in it now. What are you doing with your current world? Faithful over a few and then ruler of many. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand to that person. You have a part to play right where you are, on your job, at your school, in your neighborhood, here at this church. You are the hand of God to that person. Unless you're keeping your hands in your pocket, unless you're keeping your fists closed, then you're a hindrance instead of a hand. God's already speaking to y'all. So the big picture reason is this. Why go through all of this? Matthew 5, 14, you are the world's light. This is the goal. This is the goal for you. This is what the pursuit should look like. You are the world's light, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. You know how much money my wife and I probably have lost because we so Christian on our platform? It's a non-Christian platform and we keep talking about Jesus. And guess what? We don't care. And guess what? God provides beyond what we could comprehend. Because we don't hide our light nowhere. Everywhere we go, we are supposed to be a light to this world. The only time light makes sense is when it's dark. So if you are out in these dark places looking dark, then you have failed the mission. You are the world's light. Let it shine for all. Let your, here it is, good deeds glow for all to see. The reason people talk so bad about the church is because we're not doing enough shining of the light. Let me tell you something in advance. Every time our nation world goes and do something, there's going to be a camera there. I promise you. Not for our glory. Not so people can say, ooh, look at what they're doing. No, it's so they can say, look at what Jesus is doing over there. Because if we don't show them, they won't know. They'll think we're just up in here giving each other high fives and pep talks. There is a purpose for all of this. 
and it's to be a light in dark places. There's a story in Acts 16, and it's the story of Paul and Silas. They were out being a light. They were out representing Jesus. And the local community did not like it. And they had Paul and Silas arrested. Not only did they have them arrested, they had them beat. And the Bible said severely beat. Then they didn't just put them in the cell, but they put them in a cell that was in the middle of the jail that had multiple layers of security because they didn't want to take no chance of them getting out. But then something happened. The angel of the Lord shook the whole jail. <laughs> An earthquake from heaven. And it says that their shackles and the handcuffs and everything that had them bound fell off. And that all the prisoners went running. And the guard was about to take his life because he knew that the penalty for him letting Paul and Silas get away was he was going to be executed anyway. So he was like, let me just handle this right now. But amazingly, Paul and Silas said, don't harm yourself. We're still here. We ain't went nowhere. So you can chill with all that. And so the guard was so amazed that they didn't run up and be free and escape. He was like, yo, who is this God you serve? When was the last time somebody asked you that? Who is this God you serve? And he wanted to be saved as a result of experiencing Paul and Silas. Not experiencing a sermon that Paul and Silas preached, but he witnessed an example of how they chose to live their life. And based on seeing how they lived their life, he wanted to surrender his life to the Lord. And so here's what, here's what they said to him. It's on the screen. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You, wait a minute, and your household. Now you see that word household and you think about the people in your house. I would too. The problem is this wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And the Greek word oikos, O-I-K-O-S, doesn't just mean the people in your house. It means the people that you see on a regular basis. It includes neighbors. It includes co-workers. It includes friends. So you and your household will be saved as a result of you giving your life to Jesus. Why? Because it ain't about you. Your story ain't about you. 
Your life ain't about just you. You and your household will. Will. He didn't make it seem like it was a probably or a maybe. He said, look, if you give your life to Jesus, Jesus is going to use your life to save your entire household. That's changing your world. But giving your life to Jesus is more than a prayer at the end of service. It's just the beginning of the journey. Giving your life to Jesus is how you're going to live today, tomorrow, Tuesday, all the way until your last day. That is giving your life to Jesus. And how you do that has ramifications for people outside of yourself. How, how are you going to live your life to make a difference? How are you going to use your days to do more than just survive? What is it going to take for you to start living your life on purpose? When are you going to stop waking up dreading the day? instead of looking at it as another opportunity to bring God glory. So there are some areas that you can immediately apply this to. God has already started talking in your ear throughout the duration of this service. And now you're trying to figure out, where, okay, where do I apply this? The first place is your people. You already have people. Mark 5 and 19 says, go home to your family and friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Did it say, go tell them how sinful they are? Did it say, go and judge them for how they're currently living? Did it say to go and quote a bunch of scriptures to them? No. It said, just tell them how good the Lord has been to you. Share what the Lord is doing in your life. Share the way that the Lord has changed your world. Tell them how much you appreciate the Lord showing you mercy. Don't go pointing at them, point at him. That's how you change your people. The next is my place, my place. Psalms 90 and 17 says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Go to work and represent God. Go to school and represent God. 
Walk up and down the streets of your neighborhood and represent God. Wherever your world takes you, represent God. Whatever that place looks like. I don't care if you're a remote worker and y'all have Zoom meetings all day. Put some scriptures in the chat and say, God, I'm look. anybody need prayer? I don't care what you got to do. But whatever your place is, start there. Start there. Maybe your place is just your social media account. Again, you're not there to judge everybody. But you can definitely share what the Lord has been doing for you. You can definitely share the journey that the Lord has been walking with you on. The last one is your passion. My passion. These are clues for where to start applying what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Psalms 37 and 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he's a genie in a bottle. Because one thing that you have to know about your heart is that it's deceitfully wicked. That's what the Bible says about your heart. So it can't be talking about that. It's when you decide to open your heart and align it with the heart of God that those desires are given to you. And when you line up with God's desires, there is an impact that will take place. You'll be like Joseph, where because of everything that you went through, many lives will be saved. He's talking about you. We're almost done. I know y'all tired of me. So that's where we apply these things. How do we apply these things? The first, the first way is in our manner. How we move. How we operate. How we, how we live. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. So you can't be so turned off by the world that you're no heavenly good. God wants you to impact them for the kingdom. Now, he wants you to use wisdom. He said, live wisely. And wisdom, by, defini by biblical definition, is the application of knowledge. It's not just knowing what to do. It's knowing how and when to do what you know to do. Live wisely amongst non Believers, stop turning your nose up to them. Live wisely. Let your conversations be gracious 
and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You don't know what type of seeds you're planting by your conversation. You're trying to figure out, oh, I got to start this business. I got to start this mission. No, he's just saying you need to have a conversation that's full of grace. You need to be an encouraging person. Yes, there's room for correction. There's room for helping people to, to see the wrong in their ways, but you can do it with grace. You can do it with attractiveness. You don't have to be condescending because that's not how Jesus came to you. So why are you going to them that way? 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Key word there, though, is it's a goal. It means you're, you're not very quiet right now. But make it a goal. Try to live a quiet life. This is my favorite part of the scripture. I'll be quoting this all the time. It's in the Bible. Mind your own business. It's biblical to mind your business. And working with your hands, just as we instructed you before, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. They don't respect the way you live. That's why they're not in pursuit of your God. Because you haven't been an example of a respectful way to live. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Because the end result is for non-believers to believe. Why? Because it ain't about you. I hope you wrote that down by now. Our moment. There are going to be moments there are going to be opportunities, and you're going to know by the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's going to be an entryway for you to be a light to somebody. Proverbs 37 and 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Every detail. Pay attention to the details. You have these friends, you have these co-workers, you have these neighbors that are all off. they just just crazy. But there's going to be a moment of vulnerability where you can be a light if you pay attention to the details. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Whenever you make plans, as you go on this pursuit, Submit them to the Lord. Don't operate apart from his determining of your steps. Now, that's going to require trust. As you are going to become more comfortable with discerning the voice of the Lord, it's going to be a new muscle that you're trying to exercise. It's going to take trust. Because when he says something, it might not make sense. You might be like, how? Who? Not me. Trust his determination of your steps. I can help you real quick by letting you know a really deep secret. He's smarter than you. 
You can trust him. He's got it figured out. Last one, our, our, our message. These are the, this is how we do it. This is how we change our world. First Peter 3 and 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. So your reason shouldn't be, well, you know, I grew up in church. Are you able to articulate why you love Jesus so much? Because there's, there's going to be an opportunity for you to share it. Are you even prepared to articulate why your hope is in Jesus? Do you got your elevator pitched together? That's a business term for when you might meet the right person in the elevator and, and from the, from the floor, floor to floor, you have to be able to, to articulate why they should invest in your company before they get off at the next stop. Do you have your spiritual elevator pitch ready as to why they should pursue your God? Why he's so amazing? Or are you gonna stumble and fumble? And you be like, well, you know, he, he just, he's just good. My God, he is just good. We had a time at church. What is that? We had a time. Why do we say that? You need to be able to articulate why your hope is in him in such a convincing fashion that they want to know more about your God. Every, every time um, when we had to go out in Iraq and go on a mission, we had to discuss it first. We had our, we had our orders. So we're going to do this. We're going to go here to this region. You take this side. You take this side. You take this floor. You take this floor. You stay back. You secure the perimeter. So on and so on. Here's your, here's your mission statement. For the call upon your life to change the world. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, to us, to us, the message of reconciliation. That word reconcile or reconciliation was there four times. All that means, think about a checkbook. You reconcile it, you bring it to zero. So our mission is, 
a recognition that our, our sin balance was brought to zero through Christ, and not only were we reconciled, but we were given the message of reconciliation. That means we're, we're called to go help others get their balance to zero. That's the mission. That's why you have to change your world. That's why you have to go through each day with a purpose. Because you have been given the message of reconciliation. If you don't, if you don't do your job, somebody's not going to make it. Because you have the message that they need. Are you willing to change your world? Not for your sake, not for your glory, but for the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of God alone. Or have you made this life about you? We all have the ability to change our world and therefore change the world. This requires us to not just have the weapons of our warfare, but to make sure that that weapon is zeroed in so that every target that we aim at, we hit. Let's stand. Are you ready to change the world? Yeah. I can't hear you. Are you ready to change the world? Yeah. Yeah. What about this side? Are you ready to change the world? Yeah. Let's start now. Find a partner. Find a partner. You see how I set y'all up? Find a partner. Look at them. Don't look at me. Simple question. Based on what God spoke to you today, how can I pray for you? Based on what God spoke to you today, how can I pray for you? Nobody prays alone. If you're alone, find somebody who's link up with. Nobody prays alone at all nations. Based on what the Lord spoke to you today, how can I pray for you? Y'all can ask each other that too. Can y'all hear each other? All right. Up, up in the media booth, ask, ask your neighbor. Based on what the Lord spoke to you today, how can I pray for you? Prayer is pretty powerful. So that's what we're about to do right now. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you spoke to our hearts today, that you love us enough, that you considered us enough to come and hear and share your heart with us. Thank you for declaring who we are. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for giving us an identity. 
Thank you for making your will known. Now, as we pursue your will for our lives, we don't want to do it apart from your spirit. We need you right now, Lord. We need your help because we have a real enemy who wants to devour us, who wants us to be afraid of the call on our life. So Father, can you give us the boldness and the courage that can only come from your spirit so that our faith may rise up and that fear may be destroyed. We give you honor and we want you to get honor and glory out of our lives. So Father, as we surrender under your anointing, under your presence right now, Father, encourage us in our heart to pursue all. Help us to fix our gaze directly ahead. Help us to ponder the steps that we should take. Help us to be encouraged on the journey. Father, we want you to determine our steps. Father, we submit our plans to you. We submit our aspirations and our dreams. Father, we want your will to be done. We bow in your presence. We bow to your will. We bow at your throne. Let your will be done. Let not one more day of our life be wasted. We want what you want. We want your kingdom to be advanced. We want to change the world for your glory. Father, help us to change ours. Help us to change ours. Help us to change our world. Help us to zero in on our part that we have to play in your kingdom agenda. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Can we just say, can we lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord, that you heard us. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke to us. Thank you, Lord that you encouraged us. Thank you, Lord, that you are sending us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So now this part of the prayer is for those who know that amongst other things, amongst the pursuit of being who God created you to be, you know that you need to first surrender your life back to him. You know that the life you've been living isn't the life that you should be living. And you're so zeroed in that you want to make sure that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. So with all eyes closed, we want to give everybody the opportunity that needs the opportunity to surrender their life to the Lord. So I'm just going to simply count to three, and if that's you, I just need you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down or do anything. I just want to ask you to surrender your hand to heaven. It's not even to me. This is between you and God. No one's looking but me. So if you know you need to surrender your life to the Lord, or you need to re-surrender your life to the Lord, on the count of three, please just raise your hand to heaven. One, 
two, three. Go ahead and raise that hand if that's you. I see you. Yes, I see that hand. I see you. I see that hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. You can put your hands down. So the Bible says that um, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So I'm going to ask those who raise their hand to repeat after me, and we're all going to say it with you because nobody prays alone at All Nations Aurora. So say this, Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins. And I believe that on the third day, you resurrected him. And as he resurrected, I resurrected as well. Please be the Lord over my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, all nations, what are the angels doing? Yeah. What are the angels doing? They're rejoicing in heaven over one. So we rejoice with heaven over everybody that dedicated or rededicated their life to the Lord. Heaven is applauding. We applaud you. We are grateful for your decision. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord guide you you into all truth and all righteousness. Our last thing before we go, we would love if the Lord, one of the things that the Lord spoke to you was that this should be your church. We want to make it super easy. You can uh, text to join. You can scan that QR code. You can go to allnationsaurora.com slash join. You can see one of these people with the bright blue shirts on. Whatever you got to do, to obey the Lord. Can you do that, please? In Jesus' name, are all hearts and minds clear? Did you all hear from the Lord today? Yeah. Did he speak to you today? Because yeah. he told me he would. Yeah. Make sure that you steward whatever it is that he said. Waste no more time. Just give him your yes. Father, we surrender in this moment. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for helping us and leading us into all truth and righteousness. Help us to represent you everywhere that we go. Help our conversation to represent you. Help our manner to represent you. Help our existence. And every place that you send us to represent you. We accept your will. We accept your mission. And we want you to get glory out of our life. So please do that now and every day thereafter. From this moment forward, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Love you. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.